516-620-3602 or go to give to WBAI.org online. Um, what they were offering um, was the movie, uh, the DVD, uh, More Than a Word, for a pledge of $120. Uh, for a pledge of $110, the book Reckless, Henry Kissinger and the Tragedy of Vietnam. And for a pledge of $50, a, a unity flag, also known as the warrior flag as well, too. 516-620-3602 is the number, or go to give to WBAI.org online. It is now 5 p.m. Stay tuned for Driving Forces with Celeste Katz and Jeff Simmons coming up. Good afternoon and welcome to Driving Forces, a weekly show where we want to hear from you about the politics and policy issues that matter. Driving Forces is not only about uh, our government leaders and the agencies and organizations that drive the nation's agenda, but it's about you, the people who drive conversation and advocate for change. And we have been seeing a lot of that in Washington, D.C. in recent weeks. I'm Jeff Simmons, and today, again, my lovely co-host is Celeste Katz, who last week had been in Washington, D.C., the day of the hearings. Uh, Celeste is an, a reporter for Glamour magazine, and she had we did a wonderful call-in with her while she was is down here, so we'll get a quick recap from her as well. But remember this hour, after our special guests, we will have an opportunity for some call-ins. So our call-in number is 347-335-0818. And one other item, as Reggie just let you know a short while ago, it is Pledge Month. It's also the Fall Fun Drive Month. So from now until November 4th, please donate to WBAI. And today during the show, if you do call in, uh, to make a $60 donation, you can receive two tickets to the 14th annual NYC Mental Health Film Festival on Saturday, October 13th. This is the largest festival of its kind. And as Reggie also just let you know, also you can go to give to WBAI.org. Celeste, welcome. It is a pleasure to be here with you as always, Jeff. And yeah, last week was pretty incredible. It was uh, it was good that we were able to uh, to connect here through uh, through Reggie, our uh, wonderful engineer. Hi, Reggie. Um, and, uh, and, and talk about what was going on. It was really an amazing day to be in Washington. Certainly a lot of action there today. It looks like we are coming up on a vote, whether you are happy about that or not happy about that. Uh, we may have a new Supreme Court justice coming up very soon. Let us know what you think. 347-335-0818. So I guess we're going to go quickly to our first guest. We uh, will have, uh, in a short while, we're going to have Congresswoman Carolyn Maloney on. And uh, just so you know a little about her, she was elected to Congress in 1992. She became the first woman to represent New York's 12th district. 
And the many pieces of law she authored included the Debbie Smith Act, which increased funding for law enforcement processing of DNA rape kits, as well as legislation targeting human traffickers. I've worked with her a number of times in the past. She also was instrumental in authoring the Credit Card Holders Bill of Rights, and she was the chief sponsor of the Zadroga Act and secured millions. Now, New Yorkers know about this. She secured, secured millions of dollars for the 2nd Avenue subway, which is close to your heart, Celeste. Yes, very much so. Uh, Carolyn Maloney uh, certainly is our congresswoman. And before that, uh, was a, a member of the city council, I believe, in fact, I have to check this, but you can check when we get the congresswoman on the line, I believe was the uh, first sitting uh, city councilwoman to give birth while in office. So, uh, you know, a very good person to talk about on women's issues in a, in a number of regards, and somebody who's always felt very, very strongly, particularly about uh, the Equal Rights Amendment, Equal Rights for Women, uh, has even written a book about about her work in that area as well. So that's something we can talk to her about. But Carolyn Maloney uh, will have some interesting stories for us, I think, uh, considering where she was during that pivotal hearing last week. Yeah, well, you were outside covering the the uh, protests. Uh, we were watching on screen, and you could see her sitting a few rows behind uh, uh, Kavanaugh. Yeah, she was... Who was she with again? I'm trying to remember. Was she with somebody? Was she... I feel like... I don't know. I feel like... Um, what, what's that young lady's name? Is it Li- Alyssa, Milano, Alyssa Milano? I believe Alyssa Milano. I believe, yeah, who's <laughs> actually somebody that uh, that I did have an interesting conversation with about the Kavanaugh confirmation for Glamour magazine uh, at Condé Nast. That's where I work, where I cover politics, uh, and somebody who is among a number of uh, of well known women who have. Uh, uh, made public statements during this confirmation process about their own past histories with sexual assault and sexual harassment. And, um, you know, it's it, that's something that we're going to be talking about on the program as well. We have some other special guests coming up later in the hour. But um, certainly this has been a, a pivot point in a lot of ways for, for uh, uh, people who are survivors of sexual assault, people who are considering coming forward uh, you could say it's a uh, you know a, a turning point perhaps for the for the Republican Party for the president himself we are obviously right in the middle of a big midterm election season so again um, in between our guests here if you want to write the number down write it down three four seven. Three three five zero eight one eight. That's how you reach us here on Driving Forces on WBAI FM ninety nine point five. And it's been interesting watching the fast moving developments this week with the FBI investigation. And now it seems, as of this afternoon, that Republicans are signaling uh, or expressing a lot of confidence that this is going to go through, and that uh, they could vote him out. I guess out of the uh, the committee by this Saturday. In fact. Yeah, they're talking about and there's, you know, a lot of things going on. They may be even developing literally as we are here uh, speaking on the air. But uh, they are talking about possibly some late night, uh, late night moves. Some a lot of people are concerned about this and they're saying, well, look, uh, there was a decision to reopen and expand the um, FBI background check, the investigation. Why are we moving so quickly? So I believe we have uh, Congresswoman Carolyn Maloney on the line. Uh, welcome, Congresswoman, to Driving Forces. Hi. How are you? 
Fine, thank you. It's a pleasure to have you on the program, Congresswoman. We were talking about your uh, your many accomplishments uh, for uh, and, and a lot of your work between uh, uh, women's rights to uh, the Zadroga Act, the Second Avenue Subway, uh, you know, protection for uh, you. you know thank for you. credit card holders and stuff. But what we're talking about today, uh, specifically, obviously, the uh, the controversy surrounding uh, Supreme Court nominee Judge Brett Kavanaugh, and uh, we're excited to have you on the show, especially because of your, uh, you know, your personal experience. Uh, where were you during those pivotal hearings last week? Well, I was there. If I wasn't voting on the floor, I was there, and it was, uh, it was riveting. Uh, it was, uh, there were a lot of emotion in the room, uh, a lot of suspense, uh, uh, really raw, raw, raw feelings, and uh, it was uh, doubly painful to me to hear her testimony, which was so authentic and so uh, so feeling, because I've heard the same testimony from so many women, literally hundreds, thousands of women have told the same story of being assaulted, not bringing it to the authorities or to anyone, because then they are victimized themselves again. And... Uh, and uh, it becomes a, a torturous, uh, a terrible, terrible experience, uh, not only because of the assault, but how they're treated afterwards. I'm really curious because of the fast-moving developments, and uh, it seems like the Republican members of the Senate Judiciary Committee are expressing more confidence that this is going to move through. Do you feel that the FBI did a thorough investigation or believe that the White House might have even uh, stymied it from doing a thorough one? Well, I've said from the beginning, I, I feel that it's very much of a rigged process. Uh, not only did they not have a FBI investigation, uh, uh, the one that they finally had, because the public demanded it, had all kinds of uh, restrictions on it. They only interviewed uh, Judge Kavanaugh's friends. They didn't interview the uh, scores of people, dozens of people who called in and wanted to be interviewed. They did not even interview Dr. Ford or, or, or Judge Kavanaugh. Uh, so those that had information that could be damaging, they don't interview. They interview as friends. Uh, also, I found it very troubling that they never released all of his documents. If you compare him to uh, Kagan, uh, Justice Kagan, she released 99% uh, of her documents, put them on the Internet. Uh, but a very small fraction of his were uh, released. So it was, uh, it was uh, in many ways, a, a, a rigged process, and, and uh, the president said he would give them full reign. They had very little reign to do what they should be doing, to, to talk to everybody involved. And uh, I, I'm just very upset about it. I, I feel that uh, they are pushing for a vote. I don't believe that they would push for a vote unless they thought they had the votes. And uh, we can't vote for the members of the Supreme Court, but we can change the document that they're interpreting. And we need to amend the U.S. Constitution to include the Equal Rights Amendment, which would help protect women and mandate gender equality um, now. Right now, if women bring charges, uh, they become victimized. Uh, we've had Supreme Court cases where there was no question the, the, 
uh, the rapist said, yes, I did it. It goes to the Supreme Court. It gets thrown out. We need to put women into the Constitution so that they can have a leg to stand on in enforcing uh, protections from themselves in, in, in sexual assault. And more women into office. So what do you think this is going to uh, do? What impact will this have on the November midterm elections? I think it's going to have an absolute huge impact on on the midterm elections because women are seeing how they're being treated and i think that this crystallizes issues for women in ways that uh nothing else has uh the the me too movement can take you only so far you need to get the force of law between things and and i think that that it shows very clearly that elections have consequences. And those people who did not vote in the last election did not think that their vote mattered. Uh, they'd better vote in scores and bring their friends with them. It's a, it's a cry for the passage of the Equal Rights Amendment. And, uh, uh, and, and I'd, I'd say that it's going to be... Uh, uh, it's going to be uh, uh, you're going to have it's going to be a vote for, for for the right for women to be treated equally, to be treated fairly, to be respected, to make the, their own decisions over their own bodies. Uh, President uh, uh, President Trump made a statement that he wanted to put on the on the court and would put people on the court that would vote to uh, overturn Roe v. Wade. Uh, that is a huge threat to. Uh, the independence and health of women. Uh, so women are, and like-minded men are, are incredibly upset. And uh, there are 320 million people in this country. Surely they could find someone that did not have uh, credible sexual assaults and other character flaws. I, I tell you one thing, uh, Celeste, I was, uh, I was impressed by the letter in the New York Times where they got over 650 law professors and, and, uh, and uh, specialists and, and the law that Republicans and Democrats all saying that he lacked the judicial temperament to be on the court, and uh, I think it's a it's a it's a, a low day. <laughs> I think people are upset. They're marching, and I I believe they'll march into the booths to vote. Uh, well, that's one thing uh, I wanted to ask you about. Uh, you went uh, you went over a couple of the details of this just a minute ago, but if you could elaborate on that, and if you're just joining us, by the way, here on WBAI, this is Driving Forces with Jeff Simmons and Celeste Katz. We are speaking to Congresswoman Carolyn Maloney about the Supreme Court nomination of Brett Kavanaugh. Uh, so, Congresswoman, um, what if this actually gets uh, gets pushed through? The Republicans are successful, and uh, and Judge Kavanaugh gets on the court. Now, there were people even before the the uh, sexual assault allegations came out. There were a lot of people who had issues with him in a, in a variety of ways, in terms of uh, reproductive choice, in terms of uh, the approach to immigrants, in terms of executive power. What what do you think it's going to look like for America if he actually becomes our next justice well um, one thing we can't control is who uh, the Republicans nominate uh, for the Supreme Court but we can work hard on constitutional amendments and changing the document 
the underlying document, the Constitution, uh, the decisions such as uh, putting more dark money into campaigns. So there's more money, dark money in campaigns than when I ran for office in, in 92. Uh, it, it was roughly $145 million. Now it's $144 billion, uh, that because of Citizens United decisions, Supreme Court decisions, says you can spend as much money as you want under a, a one of these independent expenditures and not even disclose who's wooing who or who's spending the money. It's outrageous. The only way you're going to change that is with a constitutional amendment. And and I think women are enraged by the way that Dr. Ford was treated by every woman that came forward with allegations. All of a sudden, they're the criminals. They're the victims. Go after them. Uh, what, is, what did Dr. Ford gain from this? Uh, Kavanaugh was talking about how he's been so wronged. Let's look at what she's gained from it. Uh, she had death threats. She had to move his, her family twice. She's not being paid one item for it. It's not advancing her career. It's probably hurting her career. The only thing she gains is speaking out for the integrity of, of, of the Supreme Court. Uh, so when you look at what he has to gain, a, a lifetime position on the Supreme Court, uh, it, compared to what she is facing, uh, uh, it, it makes her even more believable. And, and Congresswoman, just to follow up on that, um, and this was something I had written a little bit about in uh, in Glamour magazine where I'm working now, although I know you back from uh, when I was at the Daily News. Jeff, you're also an uh, alum of the Daily News. Um, oh, really? But, That's great. Yeah. So uh, so um, when you talk about how much it is sort of it has cost Dr. Ford to, to come forward and, and talk about these things uh, in, a, in a, an extremely public way, um, basically to the entire world by, by doing this in public testimony. Um, what do you think it's going to mean for other women who may still be considering coming forward? There have been uh, a number of women, uh, including a number of uh, celebrities, you know, people in Hollywood, people in other positions of, of, of fame or power who have come forward and talked about it. But, you know, maybe some women might think to themselves, look, I'm not rich and famous. Uh, what will happen to me if I, if I go public with my story? Well, the, if you look at what happens in the past, uh, unlike other crimes, if someone alleges a robbery, people don't immediately think the person bringing the charges is, uh, is lying. But immediately, if women bring any type of um, an accusation, usually they're attacked. They're the ones who loses their job. They're the ones who are uh, their character and everything else is put under a microscope and uh, financial. Usually it's a, a more powerful man against a, a woman. Uh, they, uh, financial resources and other things are, are thrown at them to keep them quiet or to punish them. Uh, so the only way we can really protect women and to protect their rights, in my opinion, uh, is to uh, have an ironclad protection for gender equality and rights in the Constitution. Uh, so that her, your rights are enforceable. There have been cases, as I said, in, where uh, in cases of sexual assault, they, they've gone to the Supreme Court. There was no question between he said, she said, they confess. I did it. I attacked her. I raped her. And they've thrown it out. It, we don't have strict scrutiny. 
Uh, yet when Rodney King was uh, attacked and the locals and the state did nothing to protect him, he went to the Supreme Court uh, under a police brutality and attack on him. Uh, he had the rights and, and, and won just treatment. So I, I believe you have to be able to enforce the laws and be able to protect women uh, if they come forward and, and uh, protect them from sexual assault. And we don't really have that now. And it's a, it's unique uh, in crime, I would say, that in, in most crimes, if you come forward and say, uh, my house was burned down or, uh, you know, uh, my house was robbed, they don't immediately start attacking you. People start with sympathy, trying to help you uh, work with the law enforcement to find an answer. But if women come forward in these types of cases, they are the ones who, who pay the price. They're the ones who are attacked. They're the ones – and you've seen this. Every woman mm-hmm. that's become forward has become a victim again in the amount of attacks that have been thrown on their integrity. On their, You have the President of the United States uh, mocking her, uh, her and making fun of her. And, and when she testified, she said, what do you remember about the assault? She said, uh, Kavanaugh and his friends laughing, laughing at me uh, while they were assaulting me. It reminded me of uh, the president when he mocked the New York Times reporter that time. And then uh, I guess they denied that he had done that. Pro- Congresswoman, we've only got about 30 seconds left. Um, we really would like to have you back on Driving Forces to talk more about your policy agenda your, and the new legislative session. But within 30 seconds, can you give us just one recap, one issue of something that you are going to be pushing for this legislative session? I'm going to be pushing for, uh, for passing and ratifying the Equal Rights Amendment in the Constitution so that women's rights are protected. I spend a great deal of my time in Congress just fighting to hold on to rights that we already had, that they want to roll back, that they want to take away. Something as important as equality and fair treatment uh, should be ironclad in our Constitution. And with record numbers of women getting elected and hopefully like-minded men, we might finally be successful in uh, passing this fundamental right for half of our population. Congresswoman Carolyn Maloney, thank you for joining Celeste Katz and I this afternoon. Thank you. So in a few moments, we're going to have our second guest, uh, uh, someone who uh, Celeste and I have worked with uh, quite often as reporters and also when I switched over uh, to city government, uh, one of our former uh, citywide elected officials. Uh, but our, ne- our next guest coming up in just a moment is Christine Quinn, uh, president and CEO of Women in Need, known as WIN, and uh, as I mentioned, the former New York City Council Speaker. Uh, she's a longtime advocate. I first met her when uh, she had been heading the NYC Anti-Violence Project. And these days you can also see her on CNN and MSNBC weighing in on the political landscape and also championing issues of importance to New Yorkers like addressing homelessness and immigration. Welcome to the show, Christine. Hey, thanks for having me. Both Celeste and I are very excited that you're on the show today. No, it's so cool. I am too. It's a a little old home week with the two of us. Good to hear your voice again. Absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, first, uh, obviously, developments in Washington, D.C. are fast moving. Break down for us what has gone through your mind just in the last week from the moment you were watching the uh, Senate Judiciary Committee hearings, even to today, as we're hearing about little Uh parts of the uh, FBI investigation leaking out. 
Well, you know, when you watch those hearings or listen to those hearings, I guess, you know, two weeks ago now, though, it, time is really bizarre in this whole process. Um, you know, to hear Dr. Blasey Ford and to see the kind of crippling pain on her face, <laughs> how nervous and how just totally specific she was trying to be and, and not trying to misunderstand anything and give all the right answers. And then you just depose that when Judge Kavanaugh came out and, you know, Saturday Night Live got it right. He was like a boxer coming out ready to, <laughs> you know, beat his opponent to a pulp. And he was so rude and disrespectful to the Senate and cutting people off. And let me tell you, a woman, even if she was a judge being considered for the Supreme Court, could never have gotten away with that. She would immediately have been said she did not have the right temperament to be uh, a judge. I mean, not for one second would that have been tolerated. And I found the hearings, you know, infuriating because this woman was bearing her soul. And then this judge, which you question how he even got in the Court of Appeals, is ranting and raving like a lunatic and giving absurd answers. Apparently, he's the only person who drank to the point where he vomited, but never blacked out. That doesn't happen. That's like not a thing. So it was infuriating. And then, you know, it's really been a roller coaster because you get this moment of hope when Anna Maria and, and Maria Gallagher uh, uh, confront Flake. You know, and whatever happens in the end, Anna Maria and Maria, that was a moment where through conversation, albeit loud and heated, a person's mind was changed. And we can't let go of that. So then that gives you a moment of hope. And then you see how the White House is finagling with the FBI investigation. And then you're kind of, you know, down again. And then we're all kind of on pins and needles now. But the thing that to me is, is most noteworthy, because people have said, well, are we any different than we were 27 years ago when it was Anita Hill? We are. We're different as a country. We may not be different as the United States Senate, but we're different as a country. We have to remember the vast majority of Americans did not believe Anita Hill. The vast majority of Americans, so much so that they took over uh, one of the Senate office buildings today believed Dr. Blasey Ford. And that is a incredibly, incredibly significant difference that we all really need to ha hold on to and be proud of because it's, it's, you know, almost three decades of work on these issues and tremendous activism recently that has brought that to bear. So I'm curious to know, and again, if you're just joining us, this is Driving Forces on WBAI-FM 99.5. I'm Celeste Katz here with Jeff Simmons, and we are speaking to Christine Quinn about the uh, Supreme Court nomination of Judge Brett Kavanaugh. So, um, Madam Speaker, I still think of you that way. <laughs> Madam, Madam Speaker, um, you know, we, this, this is something that we were talking about a little bit with uh, Congresswoman Maloney before, and I'd be interested to, to hear your thoughts on it. Um, you know, this whole episode has caused a lot of people to come forward and talk about their own mm. experiences and sort of, you know, in some ways it's been, as you say, it is different than than it was uh, when when Anita Hill testified back in 1991. Um, and, and people may feel more secure or more supported or more empowered. Um, but there are some people who are looking at uh essentially the price that Dr. Ford has paid yeah, for coming yeah. forward, regardless of whether uh, Judge Kavanaugh uh, gets confirmed or right. not, and say, you know what, I just, 
that that's not something I can deal with in my life right now. I, where do you think where where do you think this is going to you know end up landing for us in terms of of how it affects you know everyday women who maybe are considering right. whether they should speak up or not. Yeah, and, and and I understand that because you know I kept thinking you know what becomes of her now, right? How long will she have to have protection for? Will she get to move back to her home? I think seeing what she has had to suffer and maybe saying I'm not going to do that is is really understandable. Um, but you know, I, I've I've never been the victim of, of sexual assault or or anything like that, so I can't from personal experience and it's not the same thing but you know I, I think about when I stopped having the biggest secret I had that I was gay and that although that didn't result in all positives it was incredibly positive in a way that overcame the negatives to be released from holding a secret and to know that there were people who supported you know, that may be completely an insensitive comparison. It may not be right. But I do think we've heard from sexual assault and rape survivors that getting rid of the secret was a pivotal moment in their healing process. And certainly when I was the executive director of the New York City Gay and Lesbian Anti-Violence Project, a crime victims assistance group, and even here at Wynn, working with homeless women who've been the victims and survivors of rape and sexual assault, you see that in the process. And I, I, I hope that folks feel like, oh my God, what she had to bear can be a little tempered by looking at the pictures of the Hart office building, just overwhelmed by humanity. Uh, so, uh, and please correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe earlier today uh, you had also issued a statement uh, condemning the uh, New York uh, Republican Party Chairman Ed Cox, I guess, on some uh, comments or his demeanor this morning at the Abney breakfast. Right. So he stood up, which has happened at the Abney breakfast, never, and heckled the governor around the issue of Kavanaugh and Dr. Blasey Ford. And, you know, what, what I take from that, aside from that, he's clearly rude and ruder than anybody has ever called me, uh, in actuality, playing it out there at Abney, they, that Ed Cox and the, Democrat and the Republican Party in New York support Capitol. They support disappointment. They support Donald Trump. And so that's the statement that, and, and, and the umbrella under which all the Republican candidates who are running for election in November. That's the umbrella they all stand under, and it's disgusting. And if New Yorkers need to know, you may like this candidate, you may like that candidate who's a Republican, but their leader and their leaders support Kavanaugh and support Trump. And I think when the governor called him, called uh, the chair of the Republican Party, Mr. Cox, mini-me Trump, he was correct. What kind of, if Kavanaugh is confirmed and becomes our next sitting uh, Supreme Court justice, What's going to happen with our rights? You know, it's, it's a bad prospect. I, I, you know, I can't be, um, I think it's important that all of us hold on to optimism in, the, in, this, in this time, but it's very bad. There's no question it's very bad. 
You've been listening to uh, Driving Forces with me, Jeff Simmons, and my co-host, Celeste Katz, on WBAI 99.5 FM and streaming streaming live at WBAI.org. It's also the Fall Fun Drive Month, so from now until November 4th, please donate to WBAI. And during the show, if you call in and make a $60 donation, you can receive two tickets to the 14th Annual NYC Mental Health Film Festival on Saturday, October 13th, or go to give to WBAI.org. And we are speaking with uh, Christine Quinn here on uh, 99.5 about uh, an issue that is really, uh, you know, sort of engulfed the country on a, on a number of different levels. <clears throat> that being the uh, the nomination of Brett Kavanaugh to the to the Supreme Court. So um, I, I guess my next question is, you know, sort of big picture. How do you see this playing out uh, in the midterms? You know, everything is whether you want it to be right. or not is political. And, uh, you know, if the Republicans do manage to get this through, maybe even in the next couple of days, if they if they have their way, um, how is that going to reflect on uh, uh, on November sixth? Do you think it's going to help them out a lot? You know, big big win under the uh, the Republican Party's belt, or are people going to uh, be very angry about that and show up to uh, to demonstrate how angry they are about right. how this whole played out? I mean, I think a couple of things. One, everything I'm going to say about the midterms. I hope he does not get a point. That said, from the Republicans' perspective. I believe the appointment of Brett Kavanaugh is to fit is to feed the needs of the base of the base of Donald Trump, which is the far religious right who have made a deal with the devil. They don't care, you know, what he says, does or ever did say or do. They will support him because he promised them conservative judges. So he doesn't really pick anything up by getting Kavanaugh appointed. He doesn't lose support in his religious right base, but he, neither he nor the party, pick anything up. As we've seen, and you guys have said, you know, there's been high emotions all across the country. They don't get more from this having been done, the Republicans, but I do believe in the midterms where us Democrats are already running very strong, you will see independent women, college-aged Republican women, even more not college age, excuse me, college educated, more college educated Democratic women, women who we did not have in the presidential election voting for Hillary, we're going to see those women move to vote for the Democratic candidates, I think quite significantly. And I also think this will drive up turnout on the Democratic, uh, the Democratic voting side come the midterm. So while we've been talking about, you know, what's going on in Washington, D.C., we don't want to lose sight of issues here in New York City. And as CEO of Women in Need, WIN, which for close to three and a half decades has served homeless women and children, uh, can you give us a sense of uh, or assess the city's homeless uh, homelessness needs? Are, is homelessness rising? What are some sure. of the issues that have been coming to the fore that you're addressing in your organization? And when, so so listeners know, is uh, the largest provider of shelter and permanent supportive housing to homeless families uh, in New York City. And 92% of the families in shelter are headed by women. So that's just the nature of poverty. It is a women's condition uh, in New York and really around the country. Now, um, you know, we know we're at still at an all-time record high 
for homeless in the homeless shelter system. It seems like we could be coming to plateauing, but we're not really at a point where we're seeing significant decreases. I think most New Yorkers know that. What most New Yorkers don't know, and I'll be honest, I didn't know till I started applying for this job, is that 70% of the people in shelter tonight are families with children. 70%. 25% of the people who put their head on a pillow in a shelter tonight are five years of age or younger. So the face of homelessness is single mothers and their little children. You know, and we've had high emotions in New York about citing homeless shelters and other homeless-related issues, and we've had some just flat-out horribly racist behavior in some of these battles. But I have to believe if people would step back and really understand who is homeless in New York, how can you not want to help a five-year-old child who is in shelter? How could you not want to help a mother who is you know, seeking safety from a battering partner or a battering husband. I think New Yorkers need to come to understand who they're saying no to when they say we don't want homeless in our neighborhood. You know, and and what we've seen with family homelessness is that 8 out of 10 women in family shelters, 8 out of 10, have experienced domestic violence in their adult lifetime. So domestic violence is a huge driver of families into shelter. Now, the, se- the first and second reason are always domestic violence and eviction. Now, 51% of our mothers come to shelter working, but they've been evicted. So this idea that homeless people are lazy, they don't want to work, that's not true. It's just they're stuck in, you know, low-wage, minimum-wage jobs that don't give them enough resources or support to pay the rent and support their families. That's why at WIN, we've created really a one-of-its-kind income-building program. We don't call it job training because so many of our mothers have jobs. An income-building program to help our mothers, while they're with us in shelter, get jobs that will pay the rent so that when they leave shelter, we've connected them and gotten them a job and stabilized in a job that can help pay the rent. And have you uh, have you noticed any uh, differences over time uh, in the attitudes that you're talking about, about people being concerned? Because we see this uh, not only with homeless shelters, we see it with a lot of things, uh, you know, right, a lot prisons, of we see it, yeah, prisons, yeah. group homes, uh, uh, drug right. treatment centers, uh, 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 uh Garbage processing facilities, right. uh, you know, way, you know, water treatment centers. Nobody yeah. wants it where they live. Everybody needs it. Everybody wants it. Maybe some people are sympathetic to it. But what do you see as sort of, uh, you know, the, you know, the rate of change on that? We've seen change at when. Um, You know, we uh, are building a supportive permanent supportive housing uh, building with the help of the developer on East 91st Street. Councilmember uh, uh, Ben Kalos uh, has been incredibly supportive. The community board has been supportive. We engaged in real dialogue. That's not to say they didn't have concerns, but we engaged in a dialogue that addressed them. We're building a new shelter in Coney Island, and the community board there had a, really a significant number of concerns. But we worked with them um, and, and I think came to a place of, you know, tacit agreement. So there haven't been big, um, you know, uh, uh, um, 
demonstrations or anything of that nature. And Mark Krager deserves a lot of credit for being kind of a, a very much a facilitator of conversation. So look, is what I'm going to say next always effective? No. But I think more times than not, if you engage in a conversation, if you engage the community earlier, if your goal isn't 100% support, but a goal is coming to a place of mutual acceptance, then then I think you can get to a place where things are better than what we saw on same aspect. So for our listeners who have followed your career, what is next for you? Will you seek elected office again? I mean, your name is always thrown into the mix most recently. I believe I had seen it in an article about uh, public advocate contenders. What's next for you? You know, what's next is, is my work at WIN, which is really, uh, you know, very, very consuming. Um, and I'm learned a lot in the three years I've been here. I'm still learning. You know, I want to make sure we're the best shelter system in the city. I want to make sure we're increasing our um, numbers of, of, ha- of, you know, families that leave us not returning to shelter. So I want to keep doing the work that's here. We're, you know, about year one of a five-year strategic plan. I want to keep implementing that, and I want to spend you know, my free time and, and what other people might call hobby time, working <laughs> on um, uh, working for progressive candidates in the midterm and beyond. So after this interview, I'm heading off to a fundraiser for Lori Lightfoot, who's a, a true progressive police reformer who is running for mayor of Chicago. And we've got about a minute or two left. Uh, can you uh, give us uh, some information on how people can learn more about WIN and what's on the horizon? That would be terrific. You, people should go to our, our website, which is winnyc.org. So it's two N's, W-I-N-N-Y-C.org. And, you know, obviously we're a not-for-profit organization, so all donations uh, are critically helpful. We also need volunteers. We have about 2,000 volunteers right now. Some come through civic groups, corporate structures, uh, some individuals, and they are really critical to helping our programs run, particularly the ones for our children around the camp that we run for children. So if people go to the website, and if you don't know like how you could help, just sign up and trust me, we will find a way. And we are getting into near that giving season and giving Tuesday. Yes. Yes. Christine Quinn, thank you very much for joining Celeste Katz and I today. Thanks, Jeff and Celeste. It was really fun in the sense of talking about these horrible things. It could be fun, <laughs> but it was it. great to reconnect with you guys and have me back. We definitely will. Thank you. Thanks so much. Bye. So in a few moments, we're going to have our final guest on. uh, And the final guest is uh, Christina Coleman, the news and culture uh, director at Glamour Magazine. And uh, yes, that is where my colleague Celeste works. Yes, that is correct. In fact, full disclosure, she is my editor. And that's uh, actually why I want to have her on, though, because we've been working together on a lot of the issues that we've been talking about here today on Driving Forces. And because she's your editor, I get to ask the tough questions. You get to ask the easy ones. Yeah, right. Okay, that's that's how. Okay, so when, when, when your boss gets on, we can switch it up, right? <laughs> I think that, that's fair. So Christina runs uh, coverage of politics and public policy at Glamour, and she previously had been senior news and culture editor for Essence.com. Christina is a Howard University graduate, and uh, she's also edited and written for News One, Global Grind, St. Huron, and NASA's Goddard Space Flight Center. That is true. She is a former Earth science writer for NASA. 
and uh, now we're uh, we're writing about and she's editing uh, and uh, working with uh, reporters on on women's issues on uh, social justice public policy politics and uh, and and all of that and she's been seeing as you had pointed out she's been overseeing glamorous political uh, and social justice coverage including the reporting on judge Kavanaugh and dr. Ford and the larger issue of the uh, me too and uh, sexual assault movement that has uh, been gripping the country welcome to the show Christina thank you for having me so uh, first can you uh, I think you know Celeste but for me and our oh, listeners yeah, hi <laughs> hi I'm Celeste hi Celeste oh, hey, nice, nice to, to, nice meet, to you. meet you nice to have you here on WBAI 99.5 FM so I, I feel very honored for our listeners first give us an overview of the type of coverage you've had in glamour on this entire episode in American history uh, you've had both mm. traditional reporting and some personal op-eds for moon but give us a sense of the types of things you've covered Yeah, for sure. We're coming from a very, very unique perspective. Um, As a traditional women's glossy, um, people don't expect us to get with the hard news, but we are. And we really had to start with some explainers to set the precedent and give context and background on the hearing. So we got really laser focused on the issues that affected our audience, women, obviously. So reproductive health, where Kavanaugh stood on same-sex marriage and even immigration around the time of the first, uh, that first round of hearings before the accusations, um, the zero-tolerance policy was all the buzz. And so we really got into those issues. How did that affect women? Setting the precedent, letting them know what they needed to be on the lookout for. And then after the accusations came forward, of course, we really dug deep into the Me Too movement, which we've had a lot of success with doing in general. Um, and you know, just the personal narrative of Christine Dr. Ford um, and how she is affected by all of this. Our audience is tuned in. And so in addition to the hard news um, and the ground reporting that we do, shout out to Celeste, of course, um, who traveled to D.C. to cover the protest. We're also leaning heavily into the op-eds. Our audience loves them. They eat them up. Um, so, you know, we did some coverage on how Dr. Ford responded in, in the hearing, which resonated well, especially for women who have often, you know, felt that pressure to appear collegial, as um, as Dr. Ford said. Um, you know, we, we had conversations about how, <laughs> how Kavanaugh responded, uh, which, you know, I don't know if we want to get into that now. I think everybody knows how, how that went, um, because a lot of women have had those experiences. And so what we found is that we had to step away from the explainers and really dig deep into how this is going to affect women because uh, those are our readers, and um, it, it really pays off. We, you, can't expect, you can't assume that because we're women's glossy that women don't care about news. And, and I think the, cover, the coverage that we've done of uh, Kavanaugh and the hearings proves that. And uh, if you're just joining us, by the way, this is Driving Forces on WBAI 99.5 FM and streaming live on WBAI.org. I'm Celeste Katz here with Jeff Simmons, and our guest right now is Christina Coleman. She is the News and Culture Director at Glamour Magazine. Uh, Again, full disclosure, also my editor at Glamour Magazine. Um, And Christina, I want to ask you a question that I asked uh, uh, both of our other guests uh, that we spoke with earlier, uh, Congresswoman... Carolyn Maloney and former New York City Council Speaker Christine Quinn, which is that, uh, you know, we're, we're having this conversation about the Supreme Court right around the anniversary of, of sort of the, the, the Me Too movement, uh, the rise of the Me Too movement. And, um, you know, a lot of women may be looking at, at uh, 
what Dr. Ford is doing here. And in fact, they are looking at it and they are coming forward with their own stories. But there are some women who will look at sort of the uh, the consequences that she has paid in, a, in her personal and maybe in her professional life of, mm-hmm. of being public about this. And, you know, they may be... Uh, not empowered, but frankly concerned or, or even frightened to uh, to come forward and just saying, look, you know, this is, I'm seeing what this woman is going through and she's very brave, but this is, this is not for me. Um, yeah. What do you, what do you think is, is going to be the impact long-term uh, on, on everyday women, women who are not celebrities with, uh, you know, big legal teams and, uh, and uh, movie contracts and all that kind of stuff? You know, it's hard to say. I think it can go either way. Um, But I think what this situation really highlights is who has access to the Me Too movement a year later, while also driving home the point of why it's so important. You know, we look at Brett Kavanaugh, who's a white man who went to prep schools all his life. And, you know, he I'm not sure the percentage, but I'm going to say like a 90 percent chance of still getting the job on the highest court in the land. And even after an FBI investigation and a credible testimony, um, he's not maligned the same way that Dr. Ford is. And so you see there's still a, a real disparity in the movement, no matter how well-intentioned the movement actually is. And when you think about the socioeconomic privilege that both uh, Brett Kavanaugh and Dr. Ford are afforded and how even then Dr. Ford can still face threats. I mean, she had to leave her home. Um, the president mocked her. And so I'm not, I, I can't say for sure what this is going to do long-term for the movement, but I do think that it highlights just how important it is that every woman has access to it and that there's still so much work to be done in the movement to protect um, survivors of sexual assault and give them the space to tell their story. That, that's, that's kind of... Uh you know, interesting if we could just stay there for for one minute on on that issue. You know, the idea of of talking about women's rights or women's issues. Uh, you know, it really is not monolithic, and there are big differences, as you you know, as you point out, uh, between yeah. uh, whether women can uh, uh, can comfortably. Uh, can comfortably do this, you know, it, and it might be an issue of, of race, it might be an issue of, uh, you know, socioeconomic status, uh, mm-hmm. educational attainment, age, you know, maybe it's, is it different for um, younger and older women? And maybe, you know, over the, over the arc of your career, and certainly over the arc of mine, which is much, much longer, you know, going back, <laughs> going back to when we, you know, used to chisel the stories into stone tablets, as opposed to, uh, you know, putting them on the web. Um, yes, I have no idea how I ended up as Celeste's editor. Lost a bet. But, you know, the, you know, sort of like in the scope of just what you've seen in your career in news, um, you know, do you see big differences between how, say, uh, uh, women who are, are in their 20s or 30s now and women who are in their 30s, 40s, 50s now are, are responding to this or are even responding directly to Dr. Ford? Uh, or do you see some differences, some similarities? a difference I think it might be in how they're responding um, online and I think if you are younger if you're in your 20s and you know how to really harness the power of social media it could feel like a safe space for you and for so long we didn't have the the language to really describe what Christine I'm sorry Dr. Ford went through right so date rape wasn't even wasn't really even a term in, in the 19 early 19. 
um, 80s. And so what I think you'll find is that the younger generation, millennials, Gen Xers, is that, I, can, I don't even know what the, it's Gen Xers, right, guys? <laughs> yeah, where they, sadly, oh, God, you know, now I'm, now I'm making a public disclosure on the radio. Gen X, I don't know. Gen, Gen X, and then I think millennial, I think now we're either on Gen Z, or is it like, Z, I don't. I think Z. something like that. Gen but Z. I think that they're more, they're more apt to use social media to come forward um, because they know how to, to harness that power and create those safe spaces. And they have the language to do so. Um, you know, we're still grappling with what consent means, and it's 2018. But at least this generation does have a better understanding of it, and they could they can verbalize it and articulate it in a way that I don't think, you know, Dr. Ford's generation was able to do. And so, they're, you know, they come, they're able to come forward, and so they're responding in a very different way. I, see, I think that you even see that the men of this generation, um, this younger generation, are responding in a different way. And that makes me very hopeful about where we are when it comes to uh, sexual assault reporting. Um, but then I look at, you know, the, the hearings, and it, it, it's a little disheartening to see that we still have to fight against um, some forces that will, you know, discredit a woman um, and not believe her uh, very credible testimony. And, Christina, we've got about a minute left with you. Can you just uh, give us some final thoughts on the issue and also where people can find out more about you and your work and also read Celeste's stories? Okay, I did oh not make God. him say that. I did not make him say that. <laughs> well, you can read Celeste's stories at www.glamour.com um, and head over to our news and culture section. Um, you might also want to uh, find our work on our midterm hub, um, which you can also find on Glamour. Um, the URL for that is just glamour.com slash midterms, where we'll be keeping you updated with the latest. We're almost 30 days out, so please visit. Keep up with the work that Celeste and the rest of the news team are doing here at Glamour, and thank you so much for having me. And thank you. And Christina Coleman, News and Culture Director for Glamour Magazine, where can people find you on Twitter or on the uh, social media platform of your choice? You can find me on the internet at Chrissy Cole, C-H-R-I-S-S-Y-C-O-L-E. Perfect. Thank you very much. And thank you for joining day and uh, checks in the mail. No, just kidding. Thank you very much. <laughs> thank you very, very much for, uh, for helping us out today. It's been a pleasure. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Have a great day. So we are about to wrap up Driving Forces. Want to remind all of our listeners to please donate to WBAI this month. One of the giveaways you can get for a $60 contribution, just go to give to WBAI.org are two tickets to the 14th annual NYC Mental Health Film Festival that is on Saturday, October 13th. This is the largest uh, festival of its kind in the United States. Again, that is www.give2, the number two, wbai.org. And Celeste and I also will post information about this on our Driving Forces Facebook page as well. Uh, Celeste, any final thoughts? Got about a minute left. Yeah, I have a question, which is, uh, uh, I'm now a BAI buddy. As a matter of fact, I became a BAI buddy in the name of this show, Driving Forces. Can we ask people, Can I? am I allowed to ask people to do that on the air? Absolutely. Oh, yes, oh, you okay. can. Reggie oh, says yes. Double and, approval and well. here. So 
And when you uh, you also can go to our pledge line at 516-620-3602. Definitely become a BAI buddy. Did you get your, um, I believe I got a tote bag in the I mail? I got a tote bag and it's dope. I love it. Yeah, I'm going to put a picture of it. On, I'm going to put a picture of it on, seriously on Twitter. It's really, really nice. And I got a membership card with my name on it. I felt very cool. But um, yeah, absolutely. So again, the pledge line, if you want to uh, get involved in this 516 516- Six two zero three six zero two. So again, we would <clears throat> we would like to thank our guests today, Congresswoman Carolyn Maloney, uh, Christine Quinn of, uh, Quinn of Women in Need, and Christina Coleman of Glamour Magazine. Uh, we also want to thank our amazing engineer Reggie for keeping amazing. us keeping us on task today, and of course all of our listeners. So in the weeks ahead, we're going to focus on issues that you care about. Please tune in next week at this time, and if you missed any portion of this, go to wbai.org and click on archives and then driving forces. Have a great day. once again time for your local station board election. My name is Kiani Bria, and I'm your local election supervisor for the 2018 election. Your local station board members represent you, WBAI's member listeners, and help determine the direction of the station. The nomination period is open until October 24th, and you can get a candidate application package by visiting WBAI.org. There are currently nine vacant listener seats and three staff member vacancies. Visit WBAI.org for more details and to nominate yourself, another member, or your favorite WBAI staff member. Stay tuned for other ways to participate in the 2018 local station board election, which will be held November 15th through December 20th, 2018. Hi, this is Nando Alvarici of Consabor Latino here on WBAI in New York 99.5 FM. Please join us Sunday, November 18th at SOBs for WBAI's annual Salsa Explosion fundraiser. Performing in our benefit fundraiser are world-class musicians such as Johnny Dandy Rodriguez and his dream team, Bobby Allende and Ocho Imas, Charanga Pacha, Anthony Carrillo, Amy Millan and Jambawa, Lucito Quintero, Robert Quintero, and Salsa Project. We will also present Consabor Latino Lifetime Achievement Awards to Martin Cohen, Ray Santos, Jose Manuel Sr., and Johnny Dandy Rodriguez. Again, this is all happening Sunday, November 18th from 5 to 10 p.m. at SOB's, 204 Varick Street. For more information, 212-243-4940. Ladies and gentlemen, please join the award-winning Midnight Ravers on Friday, October 5th, 2018, from 12 midnight to 2 a.m. for our marathon special, Curtis Mayfield, Keep On Pushing. We'll present this Grammy-winning Rock and Roll Hall of Fame inductee and social commentator, 
like never before. And you'll understand why he's a well-respected musician and businessman, not only in America and the UK, but in the Caribbean as well. So be sure to tune in and show your financial support. Again, that's Friday, October 5th, from 12 midnight to 2 a.m. For Curtis Mayfield, keep on pushing. Only on WBAI in New York, 99.5 FM. Miss it and hate yourself. The Midnight Ravers, where every show is a special. On Sunday, October 7th, New York City will receive the specially consecrated Golden Lotus Padukas, or sandals, of Her Holiness, Ama Shri Karunamayi, a global humanitarian and spiritual leader. A special healing and blessing satsang, including darshan, or viewing of these sacred sandals, takes place from 1 to 3 p.m. at Still Mind Zendo, near Union Square. The blessings are free of charge. However, donations are gratefully accepted, and pre-registration is necessary. Still Mind Zendo is located at 37 West 17th Street between 5th and 6th Avenues. For registration and more information, email organizer at smvany.org or go to shreemcenter.org. That's S-R-I-M Center. The next episode of Ecologic will be about bees. How does a beehive work? What does a beekeeper do? How important are bees? What are poisons for weeds and insects doing to them? What are robo-bees? Learn about the sex life of the queen. Tune in to hear Reverend Billy and beekeepers Mercy Van Vlack and Lenny Labrizi with your hosts, Ken Gale and Donna Sign. Tuesday, October 9th at 8 p.m., right here on WBAI New York, 99.5 FM and WBAI.org. Uh, uh, buzz, buzz. I'm eating honey and it's made by some bees. You know the plants are pollinated by bees. And this is WBAI New York, 99.5 FM and WBAI.org online. This is a listener-sponsored community radio station providing you a Pacifica state of mind since 1960. And the previous program was Driving Forces with Celeste Katz and Jeff Simmons, heard Thursdays at 5 p.m. And if you enjoy and appreciate what they have brought to the table, meaning 